hustler, baby. I'm a hustler, yeah. baby. I know heartbreaks. Setbacks, bitch. If I crap out, I'm sure I'ma get back. I've been through the ups and downs, you know I get around. So to me, it's all a part of the game. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Gary A. Swaby, and you're now listening to or watching the Powercast. And uh, on today's episode, we are going to be reviewing Raising Canaan season two, episode five, and the episode was called "What Happens in the Catskills." And, um, you know, this is the show where we give you the most in-depth story analysis that you will find on the Power Universe on YouTube. So and, and the podcast land. So, yeah, uh, get ready, you know, buckle up, sit yourselves tight because, yes, yeah, it's, it's going to get it's going to get real interested in this episode. Um, I'm here with Mr. Richard Bailey, Jr. How are you doing, Rich? Doing good, Gary. What's up, listeners and viewers? What's up, indeed? And I am also here with Miss Dana Abercrombie. How are you doing, Dana? I'm doing very well. Excited to be here and talking about power once again. I like your little posh wave that you do. You know, like it's it's like it's very <laughs> very British kind of wave. You know, like you know, rest in peace to the Queen. You know, she she would respect that. You know, so. so. But yeah, uh, we are here to talk about power, um, and uh, you know. I just want to remind the people as well, it's very important that we get your participation, um, you know, in the show as well. So please, you know, hit the like button, leave your comments, let us know your thoughts and theories about anything, you know, we, we, we talk about on here. Um, and if you like the channel, you know, take the time to, first of all, look at the other videos on the channel. Dana's been putting out some, you know, pretty great stuff, a lot of movie coverage and some other shows. we got the Walking Dead uh, podcast also. You know, I am Negan, so so go check that out. Um, and then, you know, subscribe to the channel if you like what you see. Uh, but, you know, I also do want to announce that, you know, we're thinking about doing a live show sometime soon. Like, we want to actually do one of these, you know, episodes live. Um, and, you know, we want you people to be involved. So, you know, if we do that live show, we are going to let you know ahead of time when it's going to be so then you know you can all prepare and be involved in the show too uh but i will say you know for us to 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 to, to want to do that we are going to have to see those likes go up you know so if you really support us and you really want us to you know do the live show please do it, it it's very important that you hit that like button because you know that's what incentivizes incentivizes us to keep coming back and doing this every week and, you know, putting on this show for you people because, you know, we go super deep with the story analysis and everything. So, you know, um, we, it takes a lot of time, a lot of note taking, a lot of research, you know, even though we, we might make mistakes sometimes, but that's natural. Everyone is going to make mistakes. Like everyone's going to forget details. Like there's just so much to keep up with. And, you know, if you think about it, the power universe is big. There's all these different shows now. So it's hard to catch every single detail, you know. Um, and I am Father Stark, so that's where the name came from, you know. But, um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, um, just, you know, I just wanted to emphasize that and let you people know we are thinking about doing the live show because this was something that was requested before. So, you know, we are thinking about doing that, but please do support the show. It's very easy to do so. Just hit the like button, leave a comment. If you're listening on Spotify or iTunes or, you know, one of the podcast channels, you can, um, you know, leave a, a review on there as well. So, 
you know, all, all of these things helps us grow. Um, but we are going to get into our takeaway segment now. And in this segment, you know, we're going to go around each member of the panel here and we're each going to give three takeaways from, from this episode of Raising Canaan that we just saw. Um, and, you know, just talk about the things that stood out to us and, you know, give our perspective on it. So this week we are going to go to the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Richard Bailey Jr. first. So hit us with your takeaways, Rich. All right. Thank you, Gary. So, uh, First and foremost, I did I do believe that this was another good episode of Raising Canaan. I did have one particular criticism of this episode, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but let's talk about the takeaways first. My first takeaway is basically re- involving Raquel and Canaan in this episode. So obviously, we know that Canaan doesn't really trust his mom, and he's very careful what he says around her and what he tells her. So... In the last episode, we had the whole fact that Kanan lied about going to see Howard. And, of course, Raquel found out, and she did not approach him about that in this episode, but she is fully aware that he has been lying. So she has a plan to take him camping in uh, the Catskills. Now, in this particular episode, as they are planning this trip, we do meet two other individuals that are part of the Italian mob. You have Jimmy who I'm actually his next door neighbor that he was talking about. The black family, you know, yes, you know, I have kids that's the same age as his daughter. Yes, I'm that guy. And I have to say, I'm happy to see that he is a progressive, accepting individual. But I will say, I'm not a fan of his racist friend, Dominic, who in this episode, we we get a chance to see what this guy's real intentions are and what he really thinks about black people. So I, w- I just want to start and say, First and foremost, I'm glad that they put this character in there to show you just the rate, the, the level of racism that some people have. So I thought it was important for them to show that in regards to Kanan. You look at a black kid, you think that he is a threat, uh, you know, in any way, shape or form. So I, I think it was important for them to put that in there to really emphasize that. But moving on, you know, Kanan and Raquel take this trip to Catskills and while on this trip, you know, she basically tries to tell Kanan that, yes, yeah, she wants to go camping. And this is her attempt to try to get close to him, to try to figure out what he's thinking, all this other type of stuff. So they arrive at, at a uh, the camp. They go into the store. Uh, she does pick up a hunting knife, which we find out later that she does use in this episode later on. But while they go into that store, Kanan meets... Uh, uh, a girl by the name of Hannah, who, uh, you know, Dana Dana has uh, is going to probably talk about this character later because she has the name of her right there. Yes, the white girl that Rock warned uh, Kanan about. So he meets Hannah in this episode. And, you know, this is just, again, a teenager just trying to have a good time. You know, he does end up smoking some weed with her later in this episode. But in the meanwhile, while all this is happening, again, you have Jimmy and Dominic planning to take to, to, to do a hit. Obviously, Jimmy wants to get uh, Raquel separate from Kanan and take her out. He attempts to do that later in the episode when they're outside, you know, by the campfire and Kanan decides to go into the store and get a, and get a soda. And of course, as fate would have it, there was a, 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 a father and a son that needed firewood. So they came out there and they distracted 
they basically started talking to Raquel. So that that told Jimmy, okay, I can't can't go after her right now. Meanwhile, Dominic has a watchful eye on Kanan. He sees Kanan talking to Hannah and decides to act as though he is his father. When he sees them smoking, he comes out and acts like he's her father and pretty much tries to basically make her uncomfortable. And yes, it, it, it does cause him to separate and go their separate ways. She has a conversation with him later and says, yeah, why is he pretending to do this? That he's such a weirdo. And he is a weirdo. The character is a weirdo. So we have to say that. But pretty much as all this is going on, um, we know that Raquel's true intentions of going to on this trip, it wasn't really just to get close to Kane and to figure out what he's thinking. Also, it's because of the fact that they had to bury that dead inspector's body which was thinking up the entire projects, their whole building division last week. So, you know, she does have a, a very important conversation with Kanan in which she basically talks to him and tells him that she asked him, do you really want to be involved in this? And we find out in this episode that now Kanan does have a change of heart and he wants to be involved in this. Now we will probably talk about this a little bit later because I did have a bit of an issue with this because the last episode, clearly Kanan has started, starts to talk to Howard. You don't really know how that conversation went or where his mind is at, but the fact that he goes into that conversation with Howard and then all of a sudden this episode, now he's confident, oh, I know I need to do this. I, I, need, to, I need to be a part of the family business. I did have a bit of an issue with that because you don't really see the development of, of how, how he gets to that point. We, yes, we are going to see things that happen to him later in the show that makes him become, become the person that we know in the original power. But uh, just for them to just jump that quick where he has a change of heart after a few episodes, I, I didn't like that too much. But again, let's see where it goes. Uh, to, so to finish off this takeaway, though, um, eventually, you know, Jimmy and Dominic decide that they're going to try to go after Kanan and Raquel again when the trip is coming to an end. And we see in this episode that basically, you know, Jimmy tries to come after Raquel. And again, he is unsuccessful, but she catches him. She she, she holds him up, holds a knife to his neck. Meanwhile, Kanan, when he's trying to return the keys to Hannah, he gets attacked by Dominic. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is where I had the conflict of the episode because what ends up happening is, uh, you know, Hannah runs out and she tells Raquel. So Raquel comes after this, this dominant guy. And instead what ends up happening is that we see a scene of Jimmy, my great neighbor, my, my, my great uh, next door neighbor decides to shoot Dominic. Now he doesn't kill him, but he shoots him to basically stop him from, from basically hurting Kanan even further and trying to kill Kanan because we saw that he had an attempt to, to actually shoot Kanan and he wasn't able to do that. My issue was that these two characters, I understand that they had that whole interaction. And after that, Raquel said, okay, we, we get it. We're going to talk to your boss, Sal, and we'll come to some agreement. But for now, we need to get out of here. I, I would like to ask the writers, why didn't they kill both of these characters? The dominant character, especially, because this is a guy that clearly you know, very racist. And and as I spoke about this with Gary earlier, I personally think that all this guarantees that it's going to be a big body count when they actually do start killing off characters, when obviously there's a miscommunication that happens between Raquel, Raquel uh, and uh, Sal, 
a lot of body, a lot of bodies are going to start dropping. So I um I am disappointed though that they didn't kill off that character or, or even Jimmy because it would have escalated things a little bit further. Um, but again, we'll see which path they're going to take. But that that's my main criticism of what happened with that particular storyline. And then of course the other thing is that Raquel and Kanan did have a conversation. And again, she's saying that, oh, yes, she's going to be more that she, she's telling she's telling him that you need to tell me everything. You need to be more open, open with everything. And then Kanan says, and you need to do the exact same thing. And the thing is that by the end of this episode, Kanan still he asks Raquel, who is this? Who, who are these people that who are these people that are coming after us? She says, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. So, again, they both are still holding back on being truthful with each other. Kane is not telling her anything about Howard. She said in this episode, if you have anything you want to know, just ask me. And he refused, he refused to ask her because he can't really trust her. And then on the flip side of that, she doesn't want to tell him all that's happening, but yet she still wants him to be involved. So I'm curious to see where this relationship goes. Clearly this episode, you saw it evolve and you saw that things remained the same, even though they had that, even though they were talking, it looks as though they were trying to get close it still is some hesitancy that Kanan has with approaching his mom about certain things. So I'm curious to see where that goes. So that was a lengthy takeaway because there's a lot just about that storyline, but my other two are, are, are pretty quickly, pretty, pretty fast. Takeaway number two, this episode, Howard. I want to say that I love how this storyline progressed between Howard and Burke, where essentially they didn't really dive. They didn't really need to show you too much. You saw that Shannon now basically approached Andrea. That's the uh, call girl, the escort, whatever you want to call her, that Howard has been messing around with. And she was trying to threaten her to basically get information out of Howard. Uh, and then she reveals to Shannon that Howard has a son. A very, very big deal. So she goes back and tells Howard this, and Howard is, is angry that she said all of this stuff. And now... As a viewer, I can't wait to see what happens next week because clearly now there's tension. Now there's something that Howard has to speak up for and let his partner know about. He can try to conceal it, but now that he knows, this means the storyline is going to progress even quicker between those two characters. So I can't wait to see what happens next week. So that was great. And then my final takeaway is about all the stuff that happened in this episode between Jukebox Lulu and Crown Camacho, Gary's favorite character. Um, I just want to say this right now. The tension between Lulu and, and Crown Camacho, this, this is fantastic. I cannot wait to see these guys go off on each other. You saw Crown get, get punched in this in this episode, and he deserved it, referring to Lulu as the money man and trying to you know upstage him in front of this whole conversation they had with that producer. So I like that. I like that. I can't wait to see what happens. But uh, the big thing about this episode for me is that we got to, again, see Jukebox and the whole thing about, because we saw in a previous episode that Crown gave Jukebox a tape with her name on it. She listens to the tape and she finds out, oh, so my song was stolen and now Ziza is using my song and she has a track. So she was very, very distraught. And I know that we when we did this episode, when we talked on this show previously, we were talking about the image, but what I was saying is that I felt that that conversation that Jukebox had with Lulu, that was the starting of their relationship souring. 
And you saw that in this episode because when she confronted Marvin about medicine, she, she, she confronted uh, Lulu about the fact that he gave her song to Caesar. He apologizes, said that he messed up, but then he also says, well, hey, you still can get a writing credit. And she was very disgusted by that. So um, I, I'm curious to see what happens next. Obviously, she's not happy about what happened with Lulu. The positive note is that she did get closer to her mom. She had an excellent, excellent time at church. And again, uh, Haley Kilgore, excellent actress, very talented. She knows how to sing. She did, she was fantastic in this episode. So um, again, with all these things happening in Jukebox life, I'm very curious to see what leads to her eventually taking the path that we all know that she took in the original power. And I look forward to us getting those answers. But overall, another very good episode of Razor Canaan. Uh, for mid-season finale, I thought it was very good. A lot of tension, so on and so forth. And I can't wait to see what happens next week. Excellent takeaways. I'm, I'm glad uh, you explained what what the name means. That's uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> next yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, like uh, I, I definitely agree with a, a lot of you know the thoughts you had and stuff. Um, and yeah, I, I have some things I want to say about you know the, the Canaan and, and Raquel, but I guess we'll we, we'll get to that a little later in our questions and comments. But yeah, overall, great takeaways. Um, and we are now going to hear from uh, Miss Dana Abercrombie. So, Dana, let us know your takeaways. Hola, everyone. Como esta? Um, as everything, I like to always start with kind of the book end quote. I feel that that really sets the tone of the entire episode. And so at the end, I want to start with that one because the end was actually a wee bit more important than the beginning, but they 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 still are important. Um, so at the very end, when they're driving away, um, 50 Cent obviously narrates and says, sometimes you got so much to say, you don't say nothing at all. And then there are times you don't even got to say anything because everybody already knows. Either way, it's better to keep your mouth closed and your eyes open. Don't even let them know what you're thinking, especially when you don't even know yourself. And I felt that that was very particular when we go with what was happening between Kanan and also separately what was going on with Jukebox. Jukebox entire situation, you know, she feels that her being her natural self, the way how she dresses, the way how she wears her hair slicked back, even going with her being a lesbian, she feels is not good enough for her family in terms of they are rejecting her. Her fought that conversation that she had, or not even a conversation, that fight that she had with Marvin is still, as you've seen, a very hot topic for both of them. Marvin was outside of the window looking at her and she was like, for a reason, you know, he genuinely tried to beat her and choke her out for basically who she likes. And that stuck with her. But and also when you have what Crown was saying and also Lulu, you know, you don't look like a girl. You don't look like a woman. No one really wants to hear a love song by someone who looks like a man, paraphrasing. But basically, that's what they were saying. And so when she goes to the church to go see her mother, who like really accepts her, this is my daughter. I told the whole church, you know, it's serious when the whole church knows it's your daughter. Um, so she felt this automatic embrace and this automatic connection in terms of, you know, of course she sings like me. She got it from me that, you know, she's mine, that kind of connection that she's not necessarily getting from Marvin. I don't really feel that Marvin is a really paternal person just in general. 
And it's really interesting that if you looked at how the family dynamic is set up, Kanan seems to be kind of close with his, he's close with his mom, but he's also really close with the uncles more. And then you see Raquel kind of taking over when it comes to that motherliness with um, Jukebox. You know, she doesn't get that really from Marvin at all. And so with this, it really felt like instant, um, kind of an instant connection. Remember when she was saying, you know, um, it, it just felt like it was something. Remember when Kanan was saying it felt familiar when he was talking, when he was speaking about Howard? I think that that's also a jukebox is feeling when she was able to meet her mother, her mother, Kenya. And so that whole singing in the church thing. People automatically accepted her. Granted, she's accepted by Lulu and Marvin, but everything that's going on is we accept your song, but we don't accept your image. We don't accept how you look. And so when we see her first trying to look more feminine, it's not really for Lulu and Marvin. It's for her mom, who kind of never made any comment about her look at all. So she's going about of what I think you know would connect us as mother and daughter. Forget what's going on between father and uncle. So I thought that that was really interesting. Um, and I feel also that she wants to say so much to her mom that she's had for years all bottled up that eventually maybe we'll get that, you know, hopefully down the line. I still want my dinner scene, but we'll, we'll get there. And I feel that, you know, she really has to say, and maybe it's a little bit of anger, but we don't see that. Right now we just see a girl who really wants to be with her mom. And I really loved that church episode because it felt like she felt at home. Everyone was speechless. If you don't know Haley Kilgore, she was in musical theater since she was a kid. Go listen to Once on this Island. Her voice is phenomenal. Um, so with that, that seemed to be really important. And also the part with Kanan, that whole situation that happened with the dead body. Once he said, yeah, I'll do it. And he could, you know, she kept saying, this was the first time that I felt Raquel didn't push him. Because remember, it, it felt like she was trying to gaslight him in the previous episodes with, oh, well, look at all the things that I did for you. Now you don't want it? You know, kind of put in all of that guilt. With this, she was very kind of straightforward. Is this what you want? I understand if you don't. And, you know, this is your throne, but you can also walk away. She gave him that. And I felt that the body in the trunk was kind of, not to say a test, but she was waiting for that answer. And I think if he would have said no, that body would remain in the trunk until she could have found a private time to dump it herself. But if he would have said yes, we would have got that scene that we did with them dumping the body together. At the same time, what's really interesting is the wording of Raquel. And I feel that she's very technical with her wording. She said, anything you want to know, you can ask. She did not say anything you want to know, you can ask and I will answer. And so she's not providing the answers because that's not what she said. She is very technical with how she speaks, with how she thinks, her strategies. And that's kind of what I love about the character. And yes, you could say it's a form of manipulation because, you know, oh, I asked you this. Yeah, but it's, I didn't ask you. I didn't tell you this part, so I don't have to answer. But still, it was it showed that Kanan is kind of getting smarter to his mother's antics. And that whole look that they shared at the end, there is a lot that they want to say, you know, I remember, remember the phrase silence is deafening. And in that car, 
It was screaming because it was so much, you know, they wanted to say, but they didn't actually say to each other. Another thing I want to say was Marvin round of applause to his character. That was absolutely brilliant because it shows again, Marvin is not a talker. He's a listener. And to prove that he's been listening, the cop lived that whole cop when he went and pulled him over and was basically saying, you're too black to be in this neighborhood. We're not here to, you know, please get out of our nice pristine white neighborhood. He said, okay, officer, I'm eating my chips. And, you know, even though he was there to spy on Anna Lynn McCoy's character, whose name I cannot remember, but I'm really happy she's back. Gary, Richard, uh, it sounds like Richard would know. Tony. 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 So I'm happy Tony's back. Maybe they'll kill her. Maybe she gets another dog that's thrown in the microwave. But I'm really happy that she's back. Um, but with Marvin, he just kind of didn't say anything. So I'm really proud of his growth. And also when he was able to speak to the counselor, whose name I have written down, but it will take me forever to find out. Um, I like that Renee. he... Who? Renee. Oh, Renee. I did not have that down. But when he was able to speak to Renee, he finally opened up about his daughter. So it's, it's, he's finally admitting, I can't do this all on my own because I don't have the answers. And what better way than to reach out to another female? I mean, yes, you could say, well, Raquel is right there, but Raquel is a little, I wouldn't necessarily go to her right now. Um, we know how she can be. She's a, she might end up using that against him. Uh, Raquel basically scares her brothers. And to have that outside voice, someone who is not connected to the family or doesn't really know who everyone is, I feel is kind of the best way to get that advice because they're coming from a very neutral place. And I really like that, even though it's been kind of weeks that he's been there, he's finally opening up to her. And I feel that he is actually listening. As we showed previously with the anger management, cop lived. Anna Lynn, she might be dead in the next episode, but right at the moment, she's, she's still alive. He's just following her ever so nicely. So that is what's really interesting. One of the other things that was really weird and I really was not a big fan of was New Jersey's Dumb and Dumber, those two guys. Um, it just felt like it was kind of unprofessional-ish. Like, you know how you just get the random hitmen to go and kill someone who's very skilled and then her son as well. So it felt like it was just, it took up too much of, of time we kind of felt like we got so much of their story. Like the one is the racist guy. And the one who's like, I don't mind the black people. I just really wanted them to just go in there and get the job done or either get the job, attempt to get the job done and fail. But we got a lot of story with them, but it was clearly important that they didn't die in that episode because remember that would start a, they basically were saying that would start a war right away. And everyone wants to be prepared for that. So that's why she didn't just kill him. Because even I was like, well, is he going to kill him? Like, yes. I agree. But I just want to make a quick comment. Mm -hmm. Because they, they, because this is something I didn't mention earlier. And I don't want to derail. But let me just add this and say, mm -hmm. there was a conversation that Jimmy had with Dominic in this episode where Dominic said, why don't we just kill the kid? And I remember Jimmy saying, if, if I told Sal, this is how you're thinking, Sal would have me put a bullet in your head. So that's why I thought, because of that, what he said to him, and then you see later on when he tries to kill Kanan, he should have he should have killed him. Jimmy should have shot him. That 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 was my reasoning for that because of what he said earlier.
But uh, I agree. It would have started a war. So I want to see where they're going with that. But no, continue. I just wanted to add that point in there. Okay. Um, one of the other things that um, with, with the whole New Jersey situation, I like how they're setting up so we know that there's going to be more feuds, even though they're not even settled in New Jersey. They just happen to have that one incident. So, you know, this is going to be a long going situation. So I kind of like that. We get a step up from Unique, who I am still sure is in the shadows, planning and plotting. So maybe they'll end up coming to you. I don't see them coming to Unique. I don't. But we'll, we'll, I like how everything is, is, is planning out so far in terms of what, you know, the next bad guys you can say is. Also, no, another thing really quickly and going with the first quote that 50 Cent did say was um, around the way most of the wildness happens when the sun goes down. It's dark. So you can't see people scheming and plotting, but in the morning, people are picking up the pieces of what happened the night before and figuring out how they're going to make it through the day. That was really just like a, a really good way of setting the tone for just the show in general. Um, how one thing, you know, what happened the night is continuous. Everything seems to be continuous and it's really not a cycle to the no ending to how they this life is that they've chosen except for either jail or death um because you're always plotting and scheming you know what happens in the nighttime but then in the morning there's always going to be the repercussions of everything so of course we had the opening sequence with the dead bodies still in the wall that you know they only kind of mentioned through smell during that one other episode but i really liked how they got that dead body out um as well um, and also how, again, that kind of ties into everything that's going on with the New Jersey guys, the, the New Jersey mob, because remember that one incident, it's going to have repercussions down the line. And we've seen that they tried to kill Raquel and her son for just even stepping to the mob. So that was um really interesting situation. And just kind of really quickly and lastly, um, I like the situation with the song. That um, Zazi or Zizi, whatever her name is, Zaza Beats, she stole. Well, she didn't steal. She was given to Lulu. And that's just kind of to show the music industry itself. You know, a song that is really personal to you that you want to sing may not be a right fit for you. It is for somebody else. And we've seen that a lot of time. How many times have we say that she stole my song? She stole my vocals. Jennifer Lopez really can't sing and is actually Ashanti. So, you know. That's I like how they were able to incorporate that. And then also just really quickly, what I loved was clean crack house. We need more clean crack houses. Yeah, that entire beginning of the episode was hilarious. So I agree. That, that, that was funny. <laughs> oh, is, was that the end of your takeaways, Daniel? I believe that was three, maybe five or ten. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk about more later on. We mean, I can go on about Howard and how now all of a sudden he's all touchy-feely and angry because he knew his cop was dirty. He that little partner that he has, Shannon. He knew that she was too nosy. Some of these people are too nosy, and it's always the non-melanated ones. Too nosy. <laughs> and so, you know, he what I thought was originally was that she he Harwood was gonna set. Um, what is the girl? The, the 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 lady of the night. I forgot her name, but she has a whole name. Um, Andrea. Yes, I originally uh, thought 
Andrea, I originally mm -hmm. thought that he that when she was down in the interrogation thing, that he was like purposely gonna tell her what to say. Because remember when they cut two right to they was right together? Oh, and what did you say? I kind of thought they had a plan together, but they didn't. And so that threw me. And then he ended that relationship, and you could tell she was genuinely hurt. They had a nice little conversation and relationship. That was sweet. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, excellent uh, observations there. Um, I, I like what you said about, you know, jukebox actually being willing to change for her, for her mother, but, you know, not for, you know, Lulu. Because her and mom Trout. never even asked. Her mom yeah. never asked her to change. It really came across as like, I want you to come and live with me. I accept you as you are. I don't know if you're gay yet. When we get to that conversation, I might flip out and choke you. But... For this moment, I accept you for who you are. Oh, girl, you can sing just like me. We connected. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, um, there, there, there's, there's going to be a lot to talk about. So uh, we will get to that. I'm just going to go ahead and give give my takeaways. And then, you know, we can get to because uh, you guys both brought up some some stuff I want to dive deeper into. But um, I'm going to go ahead and give my takeaways now. And then we'll get to that. So, um, you know, first of all, I want to talk about Uncle Marvin, who is my actual favorite character, because I know I know Rich said it was Crown, but you know, that's Cap. It's not it's not it's not Crown. It's this it's Uncle Marvin. And he he this this episode was great for Uncle Marvin because he like he had a lot of uh varying types of scenes in this episode. Like we saw him get a bit vulnerable with Renee. Um, which was really good. You know, he actually um, admitted to, um, you know, doing something wrong and, um, you know, being, you know, he, he, he was, he's the cause of his issues with Jukebox and he kind of, you know, owned up to that. Um, so I liked how that scene went. And then, um, you know, also the, the cop scene that you mentioned as well. I really loved that because, you know, it just showed his personality um, his sarcasm and everything with, with how he responded to to the police officer. And I also want to say that, you know, because I know uh, Force tried to do a whole cop scene, a racist cop scene, um, you know, in Power Force, but they did a horrible job of it because it just didn't feel authentic at all. Like, it just felt forced in there because they wanted to, like, make a point about police or whatever. But this one felt organic. Like, it felt it felt real. Um, and it actually, you know, played into Marvin's character and it played into what he's actually doing in the story because now he's tracking uh, Tony. Um, and then, you know, we see later in the episode where he's he sees Tony uh, with some new dude or whatever. And then there's a police car behind him still. So, you know, it kind of plays into what he was doing, you know, as a character. So that scene was was, was great. And then, you know, the rest of the scenes, you know, the, 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 at the very start with the crackhead um, and everything. And then, you know, him pulling out the body, which is something we mentioned as well before. Like, you know, that's why that room smelled because, you know, uh, the body was still in there. So I like that they 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 uh, showed up, they played into that, that whole thing, that there's still a body in there and they have to get rid of it now. So um, and they connected it, you know, from Marvin's side of the story to, to, uh, you know, uh, Raquel and Kanan. So I liked that connection in this episode. Um, uh, that's, that's my first takeaway. So secondly, 
um, regarding Lulu and Crown, the tension is is reaching breaking point now. I think like <laughs> I'm 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 wondering like because the things with the label are looking a bit sketchy. Like if they can't even get on the same page when they're talking to producers and stuff, if, if this is resulting in fights, there's only so far they can go to expand this business now. Like so, uh, I'm I'm wondering if they're going to go in like a, a Rockefeller type um, direction where, cause the, the, the label Rockefeller, the record label, they had a split up where Dame Dash and Jay-Z went their separate ways. And, you know, some artists end up going with Dame Dash and some went with Jay-Z, you know, Kanye West went with Jay-Z, you know, uh, uh, Beanie Siegel went with uh, uh, Dame Dash, Cameron went with Dame Dash, you know? So, I'm wondering if they're going to have a similar situation like that where the artists side with one or the other. And it looks like Jukebox might actually side with Crown because Crown was kind of, he was playing chess a little bit because remember, he's the one that gave Jukebox the tape where she heard that song that, that Lulu stole. So, you know, in the last episode, Crown gave her that tape, you know, that cassette and told her, you know, listen to this. Um, so he was he wanted he wanted jukebox to know that her song was stolen. Um, so he was playing Chester. So I'm wondering if he is going to snatch up jukebox as an artist for himself, and and then you know maybe Lulu has Zisa, but then the wild card here would be famous because we saw famous. You know he showed up. He wanted to get down with the label again. Um, and you know, he, he, uh, mentioned the whole Jessica thing and that he saw Jessica with crown or whatever. Um, and the thing is with Lulu and, you know, I, I might ask this as a question later if we got time, but the thing is, um, I'm wondering if Lulu really knew about that because he told famous he knew, but then after famous leaves, he kind of looks a little sad, like a little, you know, um, upset or devastated, like he he was just finding out that she was messing with Crown. So I'm wondering if he really knew or if he just said he knew. Um, but you know that if this whole label split happens, that makes me think you know maybe maybe uh, Lulu will actually try to have Famous on his side. So then if Jessica comes back, it kind of you know it gives him a little leverage. You know if she's messing with with Crown or whatever. So. That would be interesting to see play out. But yeah, um, I, I feel like the conclusion with this is is definitely nearing because it's like, how long can they go back and forth with this, you know, this beef, this aggressiveness? I mean, Crown pulled a gun out, you know, um, and, and you know, Lulu kind of clowned him and played him off like, oh, you're, you're not going to shoot me, you're not gangster, you know, but um you know, how, how much will you have to push that man before he does want to use it or before he does want to get Lulu killed, you know? So I think it's, it's kind of reaching that, that, that sensitive point now between those two. And I'm wondering, you know, where it, where it will go from here in the next episode. Um, and yeah, um, there, there, there is like a mid season break coming. It's not coming off to episode five, but I'm guessing it might end on some sort of cliffhanger. So I'm wondering what these cliffhangers hangers might be, you know. So, uh, but yeah, that that's my second takeaway. Um, the last one, you know, uh, Raquel, she's playing it very safe right now. Um, she, I, I think the fact that she, you know, <laughs> she decided to let these two men live 
um, she knows that uh, she she's playing with fire with the Italians, with the mob. Like, you know, she knows that these people are dangerous. Whereas, you know, um, other other people in Southside or whatever, usually she's fearless and she, she just, you know, she, she does what she wants to do and she doesn't care about the consequences as much or she feels like she's in a, a position of power to where she can be confident in making her moves. But I think she knows that this expansion to Jersey you know, she she has to be very careful with how she plays plays this move. Um, so, you know, I guess uh, that kind of shows that calculating mind that she has. Like, yeah, she'll she does pull a lot of strings, and she does, you know, um, she does do what she wants for the most part. But also, she 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 recognizes when something is dangerous, and where you know, if she decided to kill these guys. She she knows that she's officially declaring a war, you know, between um, herself and the mob. So um, I I guess I like that part of it, but I also agree with what Richard was saying, and that um, you know at least one of these guys should have died in this episode. Like definitely the racist guy, he should have died, you know, because um, he he didn't stick to the plan at all, like. Jimmy told him, you know, don't mess with the kid. Don't don't touch the kid. Don't hurt the kid. And then, you know, he what does he do? He goes to fight Canaan because he can't stand the thought of a black guy being with a black woman or whatever. So he fights Canaan. Um, and then, you know, we see Jimmy come in and shoot him. Bro, you should have just shot him in the chest right there and then. Like, just put the man down. Like, you know, he, he's that racism can't exist no more, man. Like... <laughs> But um, but yeah, I, I feel like he should have gone. But it is what it is. Um, and uh, the the last thing I'll say about that is, um, I like that you know Kanan, although although uh, the racist guy ended up getting the better of him in the end because you know he held up the gun to Kanan. Um, but Kanan put up a good fight though. He was like fighting him like he was a man, like. Sure, he got his, he, he did get his ass whooped a little bit, but he was actually, you know, for a kid, we're talking about a kid here. And he was like, you know, holding his own a little bit for a few seconds. So I like that because it's, you know, part of Kanan's character when he grows up is that he's strong and powerful. And like we see in, in, in the original power, sometimes he was like just throwing people around, like, you know, flipping people in the air or whatever. So, um, I like that they they play on the fact that he's kind of big for his age and and you know capable of doing some damage, but obviously that that's a grown man. You know, the racist guy is a grown man, so he is going to get the better of him eventually. But yeah, I, I, I kind of just like that little fight that he had. But go ahead, Rich. What was you going to say? Quick comment. Shout out to Unc. Kanan needs to learn how to squabble. <laughs> he needs to learn how to squabble. Yeah. You're a Snowfall fan, you know exactly who I'm talking about. <laughs> but yeah, I agree, Gary. Yes, because he's still rough around the edges. But come on, man, he should he should have he should have beat the hell out of this guy. But <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah, he, he got to learn how to squabble next time. You know, um, <laughs> that's hilarious. But yeah, you know, he, I mean, he he put up a fight. How old is he now? Like fourteen or something? Like fourteen, fifteen? Uh, seventeen. Right. Oh wow. Okay. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Where did he come from? 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What the heck? I didn't know he was that he was that old already. But yeah, um, is that like sixth grade? He should have whooped his ass. Yeah, I agree. He should have. At seventeen, you're you're basically a man. So yeah, he should have beat him up. But um, yeah, I take that back then. But yeah, so that um, and I guess the last thing I'll say is this episode. Um, I feel like in a lot of TV shows, you get um, you get to an episode where it's like the main plot of of the episode isn't majorly consequential to the rest of of the season and this was that episode it, it felt like you know more of a, a, a layover episode like where okay we're gonna take the main characters away and then build on some of the side characters a little bit um so i think this was that episode in this in this uh season and um i'm hoping that it's full steam ahead you know from episode six onwards now like there's going to be just non-stop crazy stuff happening um but yeah um i will say that even though it was one of the slower episodes in terms of the main story i think it was still a great episode somewhat you know like uh there were there were small critiques that we have but it was still a good episode they did a good job with the writing so i'll give them that but yeah that that's pretty much it for my takeaways on that and we're going to get to the questions and comments now and i i have you know a lot of questions i'm not sure i'm going to get to them all but um yeah there is a lot to talk about before we do that though you know friendly reminder again if you're enjoying the the conversation here please do hit the like button um you know drop a comment let us know your thoughts on what we're talking about um and then you know also um subscribe to the channel if you like what you see you know if you like some of the other things on the channel and everything so um please do take the time to, to check out some of those things and then you can also hit up the coalition.com as well as we have some video game coverage and reviews and things like that you know um up there as well um so yeah that uh that's just a friendly reminder now let's get to the questions so let me see where should i start first um, okay, so I'm going to get to something I'm really curious about after this episode. Um, so Marvin, right, he, he's caught up with Tony now and he's following her around. So I want to ask you guys, what do you think he's doing this for? What is his end goal here? Uh, you know, what is he planning to do with, with Tony now that he's, he's found out, you know, she, she's got a new life and everything. What do you think's going to happen with that? So um, I'm going to go to you first, uh, Rich. What do you think about that? All right. Let me start by giving a disclaimer. Uh, we did not see the preview of the next episode. So that might answer this question, but obviously we don't get access to that early. So I don't know as far as that's concerned. I will say that's a very good question. Uh, I honestly don't know because as as Dana alluded to earlier, as well as you, Marvin is trying to change as a character. So I think him spying on Tony, it's not to confront her in a threatening way, but I don't really know what his angle is. Maybe he's just trying to catch up and see what she's doing. And maybe, maybe he will confront her in the future, but I mean, whatever he does, it's not going to be anything violent towards her. 
I mean, maybe he can be so he can try to get her locked up the way she almost got him locked up. But I don't think he's going to pursue it in a way in which it's going to be violent, because, again, he's trying to evolve as a character and change. But um, I don't quite know what the angle is with that. It is very interesting because, again, we know that uh, the history between this character and Marvin, and we also know that Raquel does not like her either. So I'm very curious to see what they're doing with that. But it's hard for me to tell right now just based off of what we saw in this episode. But I'm very curious to know what y'all think as well as the listeners, because they might have some good theories on this as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I don't know, I don't know, but, like, I know the rules of the streets are, you know, if somebody snitches, you're supposed to get rid of them or whatever, if somebody talks to the police. Um, I still feel like he might have somewhat of a soft spot for her, um, so I don't think he would go through it. I'm not saying he wants to be with her, by the way, but he might have, like, he might want to kill her, but then when it comes to it, he might let her go or something like that. Or, you know, I don't know, like, maybe uh, maybe he just wants, you know, uh, closure. Maybe he just wants to confront her, get closure, you know, something like that, you know. Um, but I do think that there's more to it than that. You know, I think... I think uh, she might, it, it, like, whatever it is, I think she's going to end up playing more of a role in the show for some reason. So I don't know how, to what capacity that could be, but I think Marvin might try and find some way to hustle, you know, hustle her, you know, or something like that. So, Well, well one quick point I will add before you go to Dana. I mean, obviously, yeah. he, he, he does have dirt on her as well. He knows about what she was into and stuff like that. So he can try to use that information to make her do something that he needs uh, to have yeah. done, too. But uh, we have to see how they're going to do that because, again, we just saw that he was watching her very closely in this episode. So uh, it, it, it definitely is going to make viewers curious as to what the next step is from here. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see some sort of blackmail situation or something <laughs> like that, you know, because um, if she's got a new life, uh, that means, you know, she's changed her life. She put a lot of effort into that, I'm guessing. So she doesn't want to be drawn back. So I, I think, you know, uh, a, a blackmail situation could be interesting. But um, Dana, let us know what you think about about this. Um. Well, I think this. In the great words of Sir Chingy, every time I try to leave, something keeps pulling me back, me back, telling me I need you in my life. And what that means is he is obviously very upset that the fact that she got off on everything was that she was the informant, remember, from the previous season. And I feel that he, we all know he's going on this discovery of anger management and learning how to talk and negotiate and actually be that trigger that causes him to go back to how he previously was. I don't see happy at peace Marvin living, um, being, you know, in this state for so long. I feel that there was going to be a moment where you could say and you could argue he's trying to give sympathy to her. But the fact that he's still following her and she's going about her rich business, um, minding her business and not even trying to contact him. He's the one who's making, you can say, initiating all of this once again. Right. Um, she doesn't know she's being followed. They haven't had any communication that you know of, but he's been running around ever since he saw that 
wedding announcement in the newspaper trying to catch up with her. I do not feel that this is going to be a blackmail situation because she is so far removed right now from the previous life that she had. Um, I do feel that he is still holding on to resentment because remember, he could have easily gotten, you know, real jail time for if she was to say anything or if this was to be a case that was taken very seriously. He could have been in there for probably life. So I do feel that this is going to be a situation where he may calmly try to confront her. But he, I think there's nothing to blackmail. What exactly do you want in terms of blackmailing? She's not speaking. She's not running to the police as it is. And the information that he has on her, again, it's not like she initiated something or she's coming back to do something dangerous to him. Maybe I feel that this is, is something where... He's trying to wrap up that last piece and he's keeping this nice, happy facade right now, trying to stay out of trouble because his plan that he's already made was to kill her. And then we regress back to the old Marvin. But this happy, I'm at peace, namaste. I didn't kill a guy who was in a wheelchair. I didn't kill a guy who was the cop and basically said, N-word, get out of this town, is all a front. Um, opening up to the anger management lady, I feel that that once again is all a front because remember she had said in that conversation, I can easily go to the judge and say that you are not participating in the group, that you are not doing exactly what the court appointed you to do and you're going back to prison. Obviously he does not want that. So he is putting up this facade. And right now, you know, we're getting happy at peace, Marvin, but he has things that's going on that he's plotting and planning and scheming. And I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, you make an excellent point because, like, you know, if he's, if he, if he does go back to Tony and hurt her in any way, that could come back on him and get him locked up again too. You know, um, if they find out that he he's harassing the the witness or whatever. So, yeah, like he's playing a dangerous game by doing that. So I am wondering what he is planning to get out of doing that and. He has been making progress with the like he got off very light with the anger management and he's been making progress with that. I mean, of course, Renee wants him to open up more, but like he has been attending the, the, the sessions. So like, you know, if he just keeps doing that, he'll, you know, the, he, he'll be free. He'll be a free man and he won't have to worry about it anymore. So, um, yeah, like he I, I don't know what he's. He's going to get out of going back down this road with, with, with Tony. And um, I'm very curious and I can't wait to see because I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, Marvin is a very interesting character. He's very flawed, but, you know, at the same time, he has um, some, you know, some morals and principles in him as well. So, like, I, I like seeing all of that play out, you know. Um, but, yeah, you know, just it was just a question I had to ask, but. Um, I do have a lot of questions, so we'll keep it moving here. Um, so Richard said something very interesting in his takeaways. And I do feel like um, it was very, it was very quick, very, um, it was a very fast, um, you know, decision, you know, where that Canaan made when he spoke to his mother and he said, actually, I do want to be involved you know, um, and this is coming from, this is coming after, you know, in, in the previous episodes, he said he didn't want to be part of the life. 
you know so what is it that made him change so quickly because in the last episode we see that he's he's becoming more curious about howard and his father you know um so you know what happened from last week to this week that made him kind of switch up and be like actually you know what maybe i do want to be part of the family business um could it just be that you know spending that time with with his mother in the woods like did it change his mind that quickly like being like oh you know what you know i respect my mom she she does a lot for me you know i i, I respect what she does to to get it you know get the to, to fund our lifestyle and make sure that i'm fed and i have all the clothes i want i respect it and i want to be a part of it now like you know what, what what do you guys think it was what was the trigger in his mind that just made him switch up like that you know and do you think that this do you think that he's going to have another change of heart once he gets back to queens and reconnects with howard because we saw howard was actually looking for him in this episode so dana what would you think about this like why did Kanan just suddenly change his mind like that i just really want to quickly say i cannot stand howard he's acting very dusty at the moment Where's Kanan? Where's Kanan? Did you see him? <laughs> oh my God! Where's Kanan? I can't live without him. Cannot, cannot. Ew. Um. <laughs> in terms of Kanan, I feel one of two things. By saying yes, it genuinely will get him closer to his mother and to finding out what's really going on. I feel that if she was to say, if he was to say, "No, I'm good. Let me go back to what was it, the um, LaGuardia High School or whatever. It was LaGuardia High School and." go normal and have a normal track and grow up to be a lawyer. She's going to say, great. I love you. I respect you. We're going to do that. But she's going to continue to push him away from that whole side of the family and the business. And I think to fully understand his mother in a way is to become his mother. So yay, Socrates. Um, so in order to, to get inside her mind and to figure out what is really going on, especially in terms of what's happening with Howard, she's going to have to say yes. Also, well, I don't think we're at this point yet, but I feel that there was going to be more manipulation down the line in terms of I know what's really going on and I can go against you. I don't think we're going to get that right now, maybe in season four, but not right now. Um, so I do feel that this is all a tactic and a plan. And then you could argue and say maybe a little bit of the old Kanan that we've seen from the first episode. Remember when she was teaching him how to shoot may still be alive in there. And he was like, ooh, and he got that little psychopath because, you know, his mama's psychopathic and, you know, that's all genetics. So I was wondering if there's still a piece of him that's still alive that's saying, yay, kill people. So I think it's a combination of wanting to know what's really going on with his mother. You could say and argue that the overall arching thing is to become his mother. And then also you gain more power that way. And then also he's a little bit crazy like his mother. So, yay, moms, screwing up your kids. Mm, I, I like that tape. So, so you're saying, you know, he might be learning to be manipulative, just like she is, like you know, and just yeah, it's that whole remember Oedipus theory. Uh, you marry your mother to kill your father. <laughs> Daddy did. So, you, in terms of the marrying thing, she's she's morphing into his mother. Wow. I feel that. Uh, and then with a... the whole Howard situation, we all know Howard is not going to make it past season maybe four. He's supposed to have died in one. But, you know, you keep raising up from the dead like Lazarus, but 
he's not going to be here for long. And I think once he is able to completely make that transformation into his mother, I think he would be that that turning point. When he kills Howard, just to say hypothetically, that's when he becomes his mother. And he sheds that whole what I could have been if I hung out with Howard more. So, yeah, because yeah, we, we do see the site, uh, the, 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 the psychological manipulation of Kanan in the original Power series, too. Like, he, oh, yeah. he, he runs game on everyone in that show. So, yeah, that that's, you know, that's a valid point. But Rich, what, what do you think about this? To quote Uncle Vernon, Kanan, it's time to get it. I guess that guy must be stuck in his head, and maybe that is why he feels this way. But no, seriously, though, I think Dana, she hit it on the head. I think he could be playing a game with his mom to try to get closer because I kind of feel like, like I said earlier, I think something has to happen for him to come to that realization, oh, I really do want to pursue this. And I would I would make the argument that all that happened in this episode where the Italians attempted to take them out, if they had this conversation after the Italians attempted and failed on the car on the car ride back and you end the episode where he says this to her, then I would be like, okay, that okay, maybe that's not the strongest way to say that he makes that decision, but it is better because now he sees he needs to step up and actually do a better job of protecting himself, protecting his mother, and so on and so forth. So that would have made a lot of sense. But I think what Dana said, that has to be what this is. Because again, the whole time she was talking to him, they had that back and forth conversation. Clearly, he did he he didn't want to be there, and he was clearly acting because he he doesn't didn't want to be around her, as he told Jukebox earlier in this episode. Are you coming with us on this trip? Because I do not want to spend any time with her alone. So it makes sense for him to be playing a game to get closer to her. And he was very adamant when she said yes, and you you need to tell me everything. Oh, and you're going to tell me everything too. And she didn't respond to that. So let's see what happens from here. But yeah, I like Dana's theory that, yes, th this is him playing a game now to try to get closer and find out what he needs to find out from his mom. But again, his mom, as Dana alluded to, very wise with the words that she used. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> oh, yeah, indeed. Uh, that, that's going to be very uh, interesting TV when they end up manipulating each other, you know running mind games on each other back and forth. That's it's going to be entertaining to watch. But, um, yeah, so uh, we're at the hour mark now, so I'm going to get to the next question. Um, so, you know, we see Jukebox. She kind of really comes into her own a little bit in this episode with that performance. And, you know, she blows everyone away, you know, with her voice and her talent and everything. And then, you know, her mother's standing there proud, um, of her and everything and the choir, you know, they're all amazed. Um, and it seems like, you know, she's going, she's, she's going to want to go back there and, and continue to do this. So the question is, you know, can you see Jukebox maybe pulling away from the family a little bit in this season and maybe going more on the side of her mother? And then, you know, I guess as like a second point of that question, what is going to be the consequence of that? Like, is, is something else going to happen down down the road? So um, I'll go to you first, Richard. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think you're already starting to see her pull away from the family and really start to spend more time with Kenya. However, I think we already know 
that as far as the the church family getting a chance to know her, once they find out what her secret is, that's going to divide, I think, some people. You saw that there was a young young man basically flirting with her in this episode, trying to get the phone number. He don't know, though, and she already said, oh, I'm not interested. That's not going to happen. He don't know, but I think they are setting this up, whereas when it's revealed or alluded to that she likes girls, that may divide some people because there were people in this episode that you saw, the congregation, the other young kids, and then, of course, the choir director. I, I kind of feel like some of those people might might be a little divided on that. I, I, do, I do not feel her mom will be divided. I, I think her mom may support her still, but it's it's going to be a situation to see how that unravels because we already know how the church frowns upon some of this stuff. So I would like to see how they're going to portray this in the show. Um, obviously, you know, everyone has their own personal opinion, but I, that's just what I think is, is going to end up happening. But she is moving away from the family. She's going to move closer into this other family. She's going to feel as though she belongs. And then the, the certain things are going to throw a monkey wrench in all of that. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, that, that's an excellent point because uh, that whole time when uh, he was flirting with her, you know, I, I, I was like, is she going to tell him or what? You know, is she going to tell him that, that she, uh, you know, she plays for the other team? Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I do see that possibly being a story where um, the church actually, you know, because we, we know how the church is, you know, uh, we know yeah. they have their beliefs and everything. So that is a story that they could um, have play out um, and that that would be pretty interesting to see how that affects her but um, Dana what, what do you think about this uh, do you think Jukebox is going to pull further away from the family and what will be the consequence of that we already started to see the seeds of this when we already have the fight from the last season we saw that they was looking outside at the window and she was like I am just still disgusted do not talk to me we know that Marvin is yearning for his daughter which is why he opened up which I also think, you know, that's a double thing with him trying to manipulate the situation, but him genuinely being lost with his daughter. He doesn't know what to do and he does not know how to salvage that relationship. So she's already angry about that. The only reason, the only way someone is going to reach out for someone that they technically do not know is because it's something that they're missing and they need that piece of that puzzle. Even if they strongly love their family, they're missing that piece of the puzzle that they want to get to know. And we're going to further see that we saw that in the previous episodes where Kenya was like, you can come and stay with me. While she did not give her an answer, she's slowly warming up to her. We got the fact that you are my daughter. I told the church. That's a big thing because I didn't know if she was going to say, hey, this is my friend. This is my niece. You know how some parents do. Um, but the fact that she was open and like, this is my daughter. And the fact that what I loved was the church didn't really react. It wasn't like, oh my gosh. I don't know if the church knows her full story, which, cause I was waiting for the church reaction from like, since when? And we didn't get that. It was like, cool, that's your daughter. Can you sing? Um, so yes, I feel that at this moment, she may feel that she has a double home. One within that church, because they accept her singing, just singing. Like I said previously, she doesn't have to come in looking a certain way. You know, she she came in with her regular clothes. Yes, her hair was down and looking luscious and beautiful. And she looked like she may have had some makeup on. But, and that was like a difference in what we've seen in her previously. But they just kind of openly accepted her. And they was amazed by her talent and wowed by it. I'm really interested in seeing if 
she ends up wanting to have a gospel career. And then once the church finds out that she is gay, that's all ripped away from her. I'm, of course, going really negative because if you look at the time period and also the church, sorry, not to stereotype, but I'm just giving the cards that's already been dealt to me. It doesn't come across as positive. I do not see this being a kumbaya situation. And remember, at the end of the day, the end game is Raquel, not Raquel, sorry, is going to be Jukebox season three from the original Power series where she is killing kids, essentially. Um, so, yeah. I feel that, yes, she is trying to search for something for many people and ends up becoming the church until the church does them wrong. We've seen this countless times of, I survived this church and I'm a Jim Jones survivor. So I think that that is what's going to happen. My biggest question is, I'm trying to figure out how Shannon falls into this piece because I feel that her relationship with Shannon is going to become stronger. I don't know if this is when she's kicked out of the church, she's going to end up going with Shannon, not going, going, but you know what I mean? Start a friendship with Shannon because they both have, are similar. They're, they're, they're both lesbians and, you know, in the society that they're in, she can kind of have, help her guide her and navigate the waters. And also we know that Jukebox becomes a cop. Again, this is all way down the line because that's when you're adults and you're still in like the teenage phase right now. Um, so yes, to that question. I don't know what the other question part of the question was because I talked too much. Oh, it's just about what will the consequences be? And you already kind of, you know, mentioned oh, that. Well, in terms of, remember, I still want my dinner scene. I want my dinner scene with the whole family. I want Kenya sitting down next to Marvin. I want my butcher knives drawn out. I want Kanan having a duck and dive because of his fights. I want basically what CM Punk and the elites have in that locker room <laughs> with the dog running around and Kenny Omega trying to stop the fight. I want hair pulling. I want get pop, I want bites. I want everything. Um, but I feel that the best thing Marvin can do right now is to not act negatively towards jukebox going to see Kenya because that will make it worse. Oh, you don't want me to see her? Oh, I'm definitely going to see her now. I want this to be a situation where it's like something may happen. I know as the father, because I've dealt with Kenya before, because obviously we had a whole past relationship. She may end up dumping you, but I'm going to always be here, but I'm not going to voice that to you because you're going to have to figure that out on your own. I think that this is a time for Jukebox to kind of figure things out on her own and consequences with the family. I do not feel that they're going to cut her off, but I do feel that they're going to let her figure that out and be silent. But I hope that they'll still be there for her, especially in terms of Marvin, for when, if that situation where she has to come crying back, we're like, she rejected me situation. Go ahead, Rich. The, those are excellent takeaways. You brought up some good points, Dana. I, there's a question I would like to pose to you both, as well as the people that are watching watching the show or listening. Do y'all find it interesting that in terms of how Jukebox is, is approaching these family relationships and how Kanan is approaching the family relationships that now it's, it's a totally, totally, totally different mindset that they both have? Because if you recall, earlier in the season, when Jukebox opened up to Kanan about her mom, he was encouraging her 
yeah, maybe you should get to know her. But yet, when every, when, when Kanan brings up Howard, she's saying, no, don't trust him. That cop is, he's a cop. He, you know, he's just trying to, he's, he's just trying to use you. I find that to be very interesting. And obviously we know that Jukebox suffered a lot of loss last season, which as I, which I, which I feel as a viewer, this is why you want to see something positive happen for her. But I just find, I, I'm just curious if I'm not the only one that notices that she is basically, she listened to Kanan, what Kanan said, and she is doing what she wants to do as far as spending time with Kenya. But when Kanan comes to her and talks about Howard, she's saying no. And then when Howard approached her in this episode, she's saying, oh, he's wherever he wants to be. I just find that to be very interesting. So I'm curious what y'all think about that, as well as the people who comment on this show. Yeah, that that did stand out to me when she said that in this episode, when she was like, you know, he, he's just trying to use you or whatever. Like, what I can't remember what she said exactly, but that stood out to me because it's like you're you're going through the same thing, you know, with connecting with your, you know, your mother, your other parent that you don't know so well. And, you know, Kanan's going through this thing where, you know, he might not be 100% sure if he can trust Howard, but he feels some type of connection there. Like, so he's curious about it, but she's just completely, you know, shutting that down and disregarding it and telling him, you know, you know, he, he he's crazy for wanting to, to entertain it, you know. So that did kind of stand out to me a little bit. And I was like, wow, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's a bit... Uh, it's a bit like judgmental to be telling him that when you're going through uh, what you're going through with your mother and stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I want to know what the people think of that. But uh, go ahead, Dana. You was going to say something else? Yeah, I think the over the big difference between everything is the fact that, Kane, that uh, Howard actually is still a cop. And what they do is technically illegal. I mean, you can't run around starting killing people, you know, and doing the whole drug situation. You know, they do some things that people would consider to be illegal and that they can get serious jail time for. And then also at the end of the day, he did try to kill his father. So um, even though it was Raquel and he knows that it was actually Raquel. So that's a much different situation than, say, Kenya, who was like, I just ran away and got washed up in Los Angeles, but came back home to find Jesus. Um, I feel that everyone does have a point. And also on top of that, Howard is slightly unhinged at the moment. Like I said previously, he's treating Kanan as if he's a hit of crack. Did you see him? I need him. He was basically the crackhead at the, at the very beginning. He was knocking on the door. <laughs> you know, can Kanan come out to play? Can Kanan come out to play? I want to speak to Kanan. So, yeah. And the fact that Jukebox, when you had that whole scene where he saw Jukebox and, like, was trying to, like, basically hunt her down, you know, and she kept walking and he had the audacity to grab her kind of like that. I'm like, why are you even doing that? That's just to show that desperation. And I really feel that his actions are starting to create too much attention for what he's trying to do. And he's acting in a sense of desperation as if he's going to drop dead at any moment and only Kanan can save him. I, I don't know what his tactic is, but I genuinely do not like it. And I feel that his behavior could cause more harm than good, which is why you have that double standard with it's cool you can hang out with your mom because remember, she never went to seek him out. She sought her out. 
She was never, you know, you can come and live with me. She never said, I want you to do this. Well, I need you to do this. You can, you know where my church is. You can come to me. Howard is the complete opposite. And then also, again, Howard works for the law. And then on top of that, you got nosy Shannon, who's ducking and diving in bushes trying to figure out all the pieces. And what you just I, said, well, go ahead, Gary. Oh, no, I, I just, I was just going to say, um, like, yeah, I, I could agree if, if she's, if she feels like Howard, his character is sketchy and she doesn't trust him, then mm-hmm. yeah, I, I could see that. But she is getting friendly with Burke. And, and so like, you know, it can't be the cop thing because it's like, you're getting friendly with the cop over here. But, but, but what see, was you going to say, Rich? But see, that is the parallel. Dana started this conversation off saying, how are we going, how is Burke going to get involved in what's happening with Jukebox? Now that Burke knows that Howard has a kid, you, you don't think that Jukebox is going to, whenever Jukebox meets up with Burke, she tells her, oh yeah, he's been going after, he's been stalking Kanan. I'm pretty sure Burke will put two and two together and say, okay, something's up with those two. So that's why I think that's how I think this this is how this gets connected, because you asked that question earlier. I think that's how they're going to make that connection, because right now Howard knows that Burke knows that he has a son and Burke knows he has a son or she's, she's you know, based off of what she's heard. So this, like you said, Gary, earlier in this on this podcast, that storyline also has to start to progress even further. And I think a lot of development happened in this episode just to see what happens later on this season and going into the next season. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you have a great point with that. And I like, cause part of me was wondering if maybe they even had a conversation off screen, you know, her and uh, jukebox and, and uh, Burke, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I was wondering, wait, has she, you know, spoke to her about, you know, Howard and Kanan or something or, you know, but I, I think that might be a scene that's coming up maybe in the next episode or whatever, like maybe they're going to, maybe I, I, I do feel like it would be smart for, for Shannon to kind of go to jukebox first before she brings it up to, you know, anyone else, just because, you know, they have that kind of correspondence between them. Like she's, she's already been given her some information, um, you know, cause she, she helped her find her mom in the first place. So Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see what they do with that. Um, so, I think something in this show happens that will end up making Kanan and Jukebox closer. Maybe there's a double betrayal with Shannon. That's everything that's going on with Shannon. And she felt like, well, Jukebox felt like Shannon was using her instead of genuinely trying to help her and be a friend. And I also, we all know what's going on with Kanan and maybe Howard's whole situation and he has to kill Howard because if you remember the original power, Jukebox is very insistent. We're family, we can't trust anyone from the outside. And I feel something is going to happen in terms of Howard and Shannon maybe betraying their trust. And that's how we end up with you know, that whole statement and how true it actually is when we see what goes down in this show. I agree. Uh, I will say that you start, you you saw that when, when Shannon decided to threaten Andrea in this episode, because I didn't think that character was about to 
take a turn. But I'll clearly to show you how desperate she is to find out what's happening with Howard. Now she's willing to do whatever she needs to do. So, yeah, I, I believe you're 100 percent right on that. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely see a moment, you know, and it's probably going to be like in a, a late in a later season. But I definitely see a point where it's like Kanan and Jukebox are like, you know, we, we've got to, you know, turn the tables on everyone. Like we've got to get away from Howard and Burke or, you know, maybe even get rid of them. And, and also, you know, the family, because we need we, they need to explain what happens with the family in in the OG Power series. Like, what? Where's Lulu? Where's Marvin? Where's Raquel? You know, is she dead? So, yeah, I think there's going to be a, a moment like that where the two of them have this, you know, epiphany of, you know, we're in this together. We got we got to get away from these people, or we got to get rid of these people. So, um, I definitely can see a moment like that happening for sure. But, um, but yeah, let me just get this last question in. Um, and then, yeah, we'll get to final thoughts after that. So, um, you know, based on how this episode ended with the, you know, the, the racist guy and the, the hitman or whatever, what do you think is going to happen next with the Italians? You know, what's going to happen when these guys go back and tell, you know, the boss man, look, she got away, you know, um, this, 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 and this happened. Uh, we wasn't able to to pull off the hit. She got away. Um, and, you know, she also saw us, you know. She knows that we're coming for her. Like, what is going to be the result of that in the next episode? And just for the people listening, a reminder that we have not seen the uh, the trailer for the next episode yet because we're recording early. Um, but, yeah, Dana, any thoughts on what you think might happen? They did. I don't really think that they're going to have an overarching kind of storyline. I think they're going to just be dead. One, they failed the mission, and two, they tried to kill a kid. So they did. Um, yeah, I'm more interested in Hannah at this moment. I don't really think that the concentrating on these characters is something, but in terms of what's going to happen with the New Jersey Mafia, obviously they're going to figure out and learn what's going to happen. And remember, Raquel is not backing down because he had that conversation where it's like, hey, we didn't even start. So we can just, you know, pack up and go home. And she was like, no, they're going to still come from us for us anyway. So I feel that this is going to be a showdown because they viewed it as a, a form of disrespect. And I am obviously have no connections to the mafia, but I do feel that if you show them something of disrespect, they're not going to easily back down. And Raquel is not someone who apologized. Remember, it was Lulu who was like, oh, we sorry. We didn't mean to do anything. Please don't kill us, sir. So they're going to obviously come after them. And um, I'm waiting to see how Raquel is going to deal with that situation. Uh, does she unknowingly start a war or is just this a little tiff? I don't feel that this is going to be an all out situation where, you know, we've seen before where people die in the street corners, you know, every day. And we see retaliation back and forth. But I do wonder what is going to to happen and I do wonder who is going to or I'll get the New Jersey territory because this seems to be you know she she basically initiated the first I don't know what you would call it the first initiation of this by stepping to them and not even apologizing she was just like well that happened so what I'm going to try to do another remember she was very strategic also she said we're not going to leave we're going to probably figure out another tactic to get in so this is far from over and this will be really interesting 
Yeah, I, I like what you said about uh, they're dead. Like uh, you, you think uh, the mob is going to kill them for for not getting the job done for failing. Yeah, they, like they was basically dumb and dumber. <laughs> I mean, the whole situation felt like it was just like a bad thing. Look, first, black people in the woods, you know, right away that something was not going to go down that way. And she's a very good listener. And then the whole kid, remember the guy came and it was like, can we borrow some firewood? I don't know why I keep doing this accent. But everyone was like, we need some firewood for the Kindle. And that was random. But I just really felt like if they were smart enough and they knew how to execute this, they would have executed it properly and they was just wasn't the smartest people to send out in the middle of the woods they underestimated Raquel and that also is to go and show I don't know who the boss is over in New Jersey but it's go and show that they're underestimating the intelligence of Raquel granted she was able to get certain things done quickly because also Hannah was like they're killing your son so that also helped but at the same time she's not going to back down so you have to send in someone who at least is smarter than this whole situation, you know? So I feel that this is something that is going to be dragged out and the way how they just executed this whole thing. And it was a lot of dialogue and monologuing. Well, you remember the villain? Never have the villain tell the whole story. And we got parts of the story where basically we don't kill kids or else, you know, he's gonna come and kill us. They're dead. What purpose do they serve? They failed the first time. I don't need to see them fail continuously. They did. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. But uh, Rich, how about you? What, what, what do you think? What, what do you think is going to happen next? Uh, I think that's an interesting take. Uh, I would laugh if that happens, by the way, if they do get killed by Sal. Uh, what I think is going to happen, though, is that, you know, when Dominic saw that Sal didn't pull the trigger, I'm pretty sure he's going to tell Sal about this. So he'll probably get Jimmy in trouble um, because Jimmy is the one that, He's the one that shot Dominic. He has been the level-headed one this entire time. With his, uh, Of the two, he was more level-headed, but he just could not successfully pull off the, the kill of, of, of Raquel. So I kind of feel like this is going to put some tension and get him in trouble with Dominic. Maybe Dominic, because Dominic is a character that, like I said, I wanted to see that character get killed because of how he acted this entire episode. Um Maybe this is a character that now is given like a little bit of an elevation in his role with the mob, and he'll be the one that's considered the front man instead of Jimmy. But I do feel like I would love it if they both are taken out by Sal. But obviously, I feel I kind of feel like these characters, they're going to return at some point because, again, they do have to deliver a message to Sal, letting them know that this is what Raquel has said. Uh, so they can't get killed quite yet, but I, I'm not expecting them to make it out of this season. Because, like I said, when when it comes to the next time they have a meeting, and this is why I say, you know, the last the conversation that Raquel had with Kim at the end of this episode said, "Oh no, we're going to take care of this." I don't think Ra- Raquel is um is thinking that she's going to you know actually agree to their terms. She may be coming to to that meeting ready to take people out. So that's why I said there's probably going to be a bloodbath as far as people getting taken out at some point. Because if from I'm thinking from the standpoint, there's no way that you let these guys uh, sort of live, in, you know, after this episode, unless you're going to have them all get taken out at a later point. So we'll see what happens. But um, I'm looking forward to it. Again, episode six is the next episode. There's only, you know, four more episodes left after that. So I think a lot of things are going to start to happen 
across the board. So we'll see what happens. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and uh, you know, there is a break after episode six. So, you know, we definitely need a cliffhanger for next week. So, you mm-hmm. know, I, I would love some get back from someone you know, <laughs> in that episode. But, um, yeah, so we're going to get to, you know, some some final thoughts here before we uh, end off the show. So uh, with that being said, Dana, you got any final thoughts on, you know, anything we discussed or anything else from the episode? Yes. Um, I may be the only person who feels this at this moment, but remember Pookie from New Jack City and remember when he went to rehab and he got really, really happy and he was like cleaning his life and he was like doing, un, you know, the informant thing and it was just like, yay, my time to shine. And then he died. That's famous right now. When he stormed in there and was like, I got a song, I got a song. He was like, yeah, write me some words. Yay, I'm back. Something's going to happen to him. I don't, I don't see him lasting long. Um, I just don't trust happiness on this show. I don't feel something that is, is something that's going to sustain you over time. But what was very interesting to me was Lulu. Remember when Lulu was in the studio after everything that happened? Um, he got embarrassed by Crown and then the whole situation with Jukebox. And he was standing over and it said, the um, what was it? The record thing that he owns? Bulletproof. It said Bulletproof, Bulletproof Records. And he was like this and his face was all like... And you knew something was going to go down. I think that this could be the turning point for Lulu. And we're going to start seeing some aggressiveness. And this is what I hope happens. Remember the guy who I said looked like Kingpin from the previous episode when he was all up in Raquel's face and he was like, oh, let's have some wine in the gallery. Cartier. Yep. Cartier. And I was like, that's Kingpin. I wonder if there is going to be a situation where he has to tag team um, Cartier. And that's how they get certain things figured out. Because right now, remember, they are literally laughing at him like he's the joke. That's why he had to punch um, the dude in the face, Crown in the face. So I feel that he's going to start having some backup. We're going to start seeing a darker side to Lulu. Because remember, overall, he's kind of being taken as a joke. He wants this to be a really serious, legitimate business. But at the same time, you have Raquel calling it a hobby. You have Crown basically saying, you know, laughing at him. We heard the words. He was laughing at him. Yeah, I was trying to not laugh in his face. That, and then you have the whole situation with Jessica. Jessica's going off with Crown. It's like, oh, I already knew that. Did he really? I wonder. But overall, he looks like a joke in this situation. So when he did that mean mugging face and you saw the whole bulletproof records, I think that this is going to be the the serious, you're going to take me seriously. I may have to team up with Cartier and start knocking people in the face. So I'm very happy for that situation. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent points. Um, I can't wait to see what happens. And, and Cartier, you know, a lot of people were kind of missing in this episode. You know, Unique wasn't in it. Um, so, but yeah, Card- Cartier, or Cartier, however you say his name, he he is going to play some sort of major role, um, you know, both in this, in the Bulletproof situation, Bulletproof Records, and something to do with Raquel, I believe. Um, and, you know, somebody in the comments actually... Uh, they mentioned, you know, something about it feeling unrealistic that uh, Raquel is able to like buy property and stuff, um, you know, with her drug money and all that stuff. 
Um, I do think that Cardia is going to be, you know, he's going to be a reason that she's able to do these things. Like, you know, because there was that art scene and we know a lot of people use art to launder money. Like that's actually what rich uh, billionaires and stuff do in real life. Like they, they launder money through art and stuff. So I feel like there's going to be some sort of explanation of how Raquel is able to make more moves based on her, um, you know, alliance with Cardia. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, what kind of roles he's going to play in, in the future in this show. Um, and I think somebody said, I'm not sure if this was you, Rich, um, but somebody also said that maybe he could be like a connection between, uh, you know, with the Italians as well. Um, I, I think this might have been a theory in the comments, actually. Um, but yeah, like he could have some sort of connection with the Italians and maybe he could be a mediator or something like that. If there's a meeting, I don't know, but I do think he's going to play like a dark horse kind of role in the future. Um, so yeah, interested to see, to see more about that and where they take that. But, um, Rich, any final thoughts? Uh, those are great thoughts across the board from both you and Dana. Um, my final thoughts is, uh, yes, it was a good, it was, it, I thought it was, I thought it was a very good episode. Looking forward to seeing what happens next week and to go to Dana's point of, uh, famous being the, uh, the informant that ends up getting killed much like, uh, Chris Rock's character got killed in, um, New Jack city. I personally think that famous is going to be the casualty of this beef between Crown and Lulu. And that is what brings Jessica back because that would connect it all full circle. But uh, we'll see what happens. Like I said, they can go in a lot of different directions with a lot of the storytelling. And that is the fun part of the show. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next week. Yeah, indeed. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I like Famous. He's a cool character. I hope I hope he doesn't die. You know, or if he does, I hope he doesn't die just yet. But it would make sense, like you know, just the the role the the role his character is playing currently. It would make sense for him to uh some for something to happen to him and him to pass away. So yeah, I I, I can see what you're saying. Uh, yeah, um, but that that is our final thoughts for this week. Um, and we are going to get to you know a quick round of shout outs, and then we're mm-hmm. out of here until next week um so dana do you have any shout outs oh you're muted yep okay so once again thank you to everyone who is watching and sticks with us and Thank you for the support that you have shown. And once again, you can check out everything. We have a whole bunch of the cast interviews on the YouTube website and also on the coalition.com page where we have the, the mainly the entire cast of Raising Canaan. And it talks about what actually can happen in the upcoming episodes and how there are different pairings and what can happen with that. So you can read into that however, however way you want to. 
And of course, we will be back next week with the show. And there's a bunch of other content on the website and on the YouTube page as well. A whole bunch of interviews that we have done. There's a whole bunch more that is coming up because we have the new TV schedule that is coming starting in, I don't know, October. So we're going through all of that with the reviews. And so just, you know, stick back for whatever TV show or movie you like. I am pretty sure it's going to be covered as well. So thank you once again for listening. Indeed, indeed. And how about you, Rich? Any shout-outs? Yes, I want to give a shout-out to everyone that takes the time to watch these discussions. If you enjoy the the discussions, the shows, uh, obviously, we we very much enjoy talking about power in other shows. So, uh, And we always love to see all of your comments. So please feel free to continue leaving comments. Let us know your thoughts on the show. And um, we look forward to covering more things in the future. Some stuff that we cannot talk about quite yet, but uh, I'm just going to say stay tuned. Uh, But in the meantime, thank you all for your continued support and uh, look forward to talking about Power Razor Canaan next week. Agreed. Um, So, yeah, you know, likewise, I want to give a big shout to uh, the people who have been engaging with the show and leaving comments and theories and corrections or whatever, you know. Um, big thank you to, to to all of you. We appreciate you. Um, so, you know, I'm going to name some of the people, you know, Inga71, Nigel Saps, Esther Negron, uh, Jeremiah Lutumba, uh, Jacob Wright, Blatant Truth, Rywan, uh, Jordan Bridges, who actually contacted me on Twitter, um, and uh, Kwame also, who, uh, you know, he sends me a lot of DMs about the show. So, Big shouts to, to all of those people, you know, who are always engaging. Oh, and Rainy J as well. How can I forget Rainy J? You know, um, big, big shouts to, to all the people. Again, please do hit the like button. It's very important. And, you know, we want to be able to do that live show and interact with all of you people, you know, in real time. So, uh, yeah, yeah, please do continue to support the show. And we do appreciate, you know, all of the engagement. So, Um, On that note, have a great week, everyone, and we will see you next week for episode six, the one before the break. Um, And, yeah, until then, you know, take care of yourselves and have, have a great week. So peace out.